The following discussion on reparations was recorded before the Black Lives Matter protests began. Although very relevant to the overall conversation going on in this country, we contemplated re-recording it to talk about reparations in light of the protests. We are releasing this episode of Telephone anyway, and will release a supplemental episode of Telephone at a later date. Enjoy listening. Ring, ring, ring. Telephone. Here we go again. Oh, wait, that's not how it goes. Sorry, I ripped the two. Yeah, but but actually, you know, I was enjoying this rendition better because your voice sounds better. Uh, no, you know, the beat from, um, what's his name? Uh, Bobby Brown and, uh, David Marley saw. Anyway, telephone, tell me what's going on with you, my African sister. Ring, ring, ring. How you announce? As the young people would say, that song did not slap. No. Ooh, no to you trying to use new girl you are a millennial stop using that gen z Mm-mm. no oh, no God. ma'am no ma'am excuse me whatever no ma'am oh i need a meme no ma'am <laughs> check my head no ma'am uh-huh. so uh regardless of what your uh, assault on my musical talents, maybe. What do you want to talk about today as we do a little telephone check or what do you want to talk about? The episode on Code Switch, on what it means to be black. Oh, yes. <laughs> and reparations. And, and who deserves reparations. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I sent that to you. I was like, girl, they saying oh, some man. real stuff. I mean, I think that it, it may highlights a lot of the same things that we already know about the, like, Africans versus African-Americans versus Caribbean-Americans. It, it, yeah. it highlights the idea of the global black diaspora and how different groups of people look at each other and understand one another. And even how Africans, African-Americans are classified, or Black people, I should say, are classified in this country based on wh- wherever we are in history. So, Yeah, that was kind of interesting to go like from Negro to... Free-colored people, yeah, all Black these... mulatto, yeah. I mean, some of these categories still exist in African and Caribbean countries, yeah. so let's not fake. Mulatto is still a category. Maybe not in the yeah. official government documents, but we know it, it's like a standard word still that's used. Yeah. I think what is interesting um, for me, or one of my main takeaways, was this um, this this duality. It's like a freaking professor sometimes of how this idea of like, because basically they were talking about like, again, we said black identity, who deserves reparations. Mm-hmm. And they were talking to different experts. And there was someone who said the people who deserve reparations should be, he had a criteria. And one of yeah. them, was you had to have been identifying black for the past, like X number of years on government documents, 12 years or so, he which gave, is yeah. fair. You need to have been living in the States and at least one of your descendants, ascent, no, you need to be a, at least one of your ancestors needs to be an Af, uh, American born descendant of slaves or should have been a slave at some slave, point. Yeah. yeah. Um, so obviously that leaves out a lot of Africans. It leaves out all in America too. Not the, so mm-hmm. you can be Afro Brazilian all you want, but according to this category, you don't get no reparations money because. You need to take your arguments up with the Brazilian government and not with the U.S. government. And I think that that was, I mean, how do I feel about that? I think it's fair. I mean, like, 
reparation. I, I'll get to, to some of my things that I had problems with. But um, I think that like if we really want to do textbook definition, we reparations as the idea of like there was this group of people who were enslaved. They were freed and they were promised something. And because they were not given that thing, actually mm-hmm. not just because they weren't given that thing, they were further segregated and um, really treated unfairly. They were not able to progress. And we mm-hmm. see the manifestations of, of that of in that, today's yeah. society. And I think that in that sense, it's fair. But what I do think was interesting is also taking into account the argument that, like, Africans, foreign born blacks, basically, mm-hmm. um, or blacks in foreign communities, we still experience racism, we still experience segregation. Um, we do tend to be, if there's only one black person in the room, we do tend to be that one black person. So that is, Mm -hmm. and that's very fair. We talk about that, like in our college, most people were either rich African Americans Mm. or they were, they were the children of immigrants, right? Caribbean Mm -hmm. or, I'm talking about for the black population, Caribbean or African immigrants. And that's something that we see, you know, statistically across the board. Um, I guess... My issue was with this idea of if you came here to this country, you came here by choice. And by I choice, think yeah. what they did not highlight, mm-hmm. and I, I, it's hard to do that in a 35-minute discussion about race in America, is that, number one, American foreign policy is a shit show. And a lot of the things that mm-hmm. they did mm-hmm. impacted, it's not just black people, impacted mm-hmm a lot of other countries and as mm. the reason why a lot of people came to the United States. South America. So, yep. Please don't say that, you know, yep. I didn't come here from the Irish potato famine, which you can argue was a British government policy. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people are coming, people coming from Latin America, they're coming here from wars and situations that policies created West Africa. Look, they just, okay, maybe just, probably like 20 years ago, apologized for playing a role in, the U.S. Congress did, playing a role in Lumumba's death. And so for you to not be able to make those connections and say, well, you know, of course, coming here as an enslaved person, you need to be compensated for that and that needs to be acknowledged. But people don't immigrate. It's not a, immigration is not always a choice. Of course, yeah. There was someone who, who brought that very point up that in a way, in doing that, it's very exclusionary and people don't have choice. I mean, that first criteria of, you know, who should get reparations, we say that it's, we should exclude those who came here by choice. What exactly is, are people actually choosing to come? Or is it because of circumstances? Yeah, um, it's a, it's a, yeah. I thought he, his point of kind of making sure that it's not ex- exclusionary and that we should base it on some sort of notion of morality and, uh, and justice. This is a hard thing to do. No one is saying it's easy. And this is even a hard subject to talk about, but we need to find a better way of classifying who who should get reparations. And reparations I, can be in the form of other things other than money. I'm, I'm not I'm not saying I need a check cut for me, but yeah. I am saying <laughs> but we are saying that it is tricky to um yeah, to use those hard and fast categories. And I see that, you know, along with this idea in policies in general, right? Like people are always so afraid that people who don't 
fit the criteria or don't quote unquote deserve something or going to get it, that we end up boxing ourselves in ways. And I think, yeah, I'm remembering that Derek guy, he didn't really talk about how he didn't talk about U.S. foreign policy. That point is not. He did not. Um, But uh, the idea of like, if a few people who get it aren't a descendant of a slave, that's still okay. I mean, at some point, like if you're a kid and you're a kid and you guys are growing up in the same marginalized communities, uh, to a certain extent, coming from an immigrant background is helpful, right? Because if your family had the resources to immigrate, blah, 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 and, you know, the barriers that are in front of African-Americans are not in front of immigrant children, you're Mm -hmm. more likely to be seen as, like, smart and supported just because you, your name is Mfufu. Uh, And that's not a real name, you know, thank you, Eddie Murphy. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Um, But you still like Africans still dying of COVID-19. Yeah. Africans are still, and, and, and of course we do have a lot of work on our communities because actually, you know what I'd say? I would, I think that the age of Trump has, has complicated that a bit. I think that Africans understand a lot better that this whole, I ain't black. I am Nigerian Tanzanian, Sierra Leonean, Ghanaian, whatever, doesn't quite float in America. I think that there have been enough instances of African men being gunned down by police and things like that, that like, and I think we just have a critical map. We also have millennials, right? Like, look, the immigration floodgates opened in the 60s for all people of color. That's, That's where you see South Asians come in in big numbers because before that, everybody was blocked if you weren't white. And as we grow up, or as we have grown up, the Gen Xers and now the millennials and, you know, Gen Z, whatever, y- 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 y'all coming along too. Um, I don't mean whatever, but, you know, they're coming along as well. We're getting more people of color who are born and raised in the U.S. and therefore mm-hmm. understand these things in better places um, in, in more intimate ways than our, like, Ghanaian parents do. Yeah. Or our, you know, whatever, our African parents do or our Caribbean parents do. But... I would love to see reparations of some sort. I would love to see it, not in the form of a check necessarily, but in the form of real education reform, real healthcare reform. I mean, good luck getting it. I think the other mm-hmm. issue is that, and it's something that I was struck with today because I saw this article, and who knows by the time this airs, it's been a while, but Brigham and Young University posted an article. Oh, I saw that, and you know how they get cut off all the yeah. time and they can't speak up and they're not seen as authorities and i see that every day you know i feel it i've had instances where a male colleague who is you know not below me but like when i'm leading something and people are still mm-hmm. leaning on my male colleague i have that in classrooms i've had that in other situations and it reminds me of when harvard did that study that that you know the the great conclusion was that racism cuts down on your life expectancy and i'm just like the problem with all of this stuff and it comes with reparations it comes with so many things is that people have their lived experiences and we know we yeah. know but the structure is such that those who are privileged can look at you. And we all know that we've had that conversation with the privileged, for lack of a better moniker, mediocre white man. And he can pretend that he is the objective person because yep. he's not a member of those groups. Yep. And you have to work. And I feel like that's what academia is. 
You have to work and create an empirical process, you know, research back to to show what you do to show what you have lived since the day you took your first breath. Because when you say it, they say, oh, you're just the Muslim guy. You're just the black woman. You're just mostly involved. You're just the Asian. (laughs) We don't believe that. Prove it. Yeah. And even when you do prove it, I mean, I think my, my commentary on that study is like, I knew this when I was five years old. So now that you've got this study and it proves it, what's going to happen? The people in power, nothing, people in power nothing is going to happen. These people have internalized their biases and they're not going to do anything to disentangle it. At what point do we stop trying to, I want to say stop, you do need science, you do need data-backed facts, but the leaning in on data so much that we do not respect people for their lived experiences, except when it's these random controversial, controversial, I'm a voice, controversial things that really pisses me off, you know, like just listen. Or when they come to you and they're like, Oh my God, ta Coates. Amazing. He's saying so much. And I'm like, I don't think he's speaking to me. Like, who do you think his intended audience is? Not black people, because we know these things. I think yeah. it's he's 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 trying to communicate with you because these are things that have never crossed your mind that you never have to think of. And to bring it back to reparations piece, it's just like how like some people really don't even think there's a case to be yeah. made need for it. And it's like, really? It reminds me of what the professor on the Code Switch episode and Chrissy Green, yeah. Yeah. And she, when she was talking about that lived experience of, you know, when she was at Tufts and she went to the onboarding program they had and they were all sitting around and that was when she realizes that, oh, you know, depending on who you are, what kind of black you are, people have different lived experiences. And she talks a little bit bit about that. And even as a professor, I think she's at Fordham now, about how she even, she's even living this experience even as a professor there. It is, you know, this thing of looking for a seat at a table when there is no chair for you. Mm. And, you know, having to prove that you belong there, that you mm. are just as good as everybody else mm-hmm. when, uh, and, uh, but under the guise of everything is actually equal and fine. Yeah. Um, I think that that's the piece that's just like, what, you know, it's even in this pandemic, we've seen these artists, an article in New York times, ugh, love, hate relationship with them. And it was about Haverford college which is another, you know, elite liberal arts school. And it was like, everybody was equal. Um, in you know before the pandemic but the pandemic really showed how you know different kids had to go back to different difficult situations and the rich kids got to go back to comfortable situations and you had kids working in food trucks in puerto rico and um no i think one girl's working in food truck in miami another family was in puerto rico and just really hard and i i my first comment was these fishers always existed yeah we like to pretend this is an egalitarian society. And I also am pissed off at these schools because you all call these students. You look for them. Yeah. You find them. And when they come, you put them as the first page of your guidebook because you want more students yeah. like that. And you talk about it from Harvard on down. The, the reaction of some of these institutions that have money oh. and the GoFundMes and things like that <laughs> that I got getting set up. I'm just so confused. I was getting so mad about that. I was like, this is you all pull. The, these are kids. You pull mm-hmm. them. 
and then you abandon them essentially and it's like it didn't even occur to you that kids go hungry yeah we got public school systems that you know knew that much that they knew they had to get we know that much the school lunch programs where you know in certain places majority of these kids are on these lunch programs that's how they get their meals right so i'm just really disgusted by the response <laughs> of these institutions with tons of money that are just like oh well no but you were all up my butt and around the corner, huh, that's such an old thing. Oh, about that around the corner. <laughs> Three years ago, when I was applying and you were telling me how it's going to change my life. And, you know, you you quote me in your books and you use me to get other students to come here. Yeah. So it is, I think it's all really sticky and tricky. Um, and I I thought the, inst- the conversation was really interesting. Um, and, yeah, we just don't have enough of this, like, really teasing through blackness because I think, uh, or I feel, and I think we both, I don't want to speak for you that in the U S a lot of times it can feel a bit monolithic. It's, it's expanding, Mm -hmm. but there is in a lot of spaces, you can only be black in one way or another. Um, and there are resentments. There are this, uh, there is this idea. Well, it depends on where you are. You, at, at certain points you choose, you choose a certain kind of black you are because maybe being, african-american in that setting isn't ideal um so you'll you'll you know for me it's never been that i've just never thought of myself as african-american because i'm just Mm. too african and Mm. so i've always been me bunkio is bunkio and people make you know whatever I, i may have talked about this before people think because i don't have an accent that i'm one thing or the other or because I grew up, you know, if they say where's home, I'm going to say D.C. area. I don't care where in the world I am. I don't care yeah. if I live in, you know, Mecca for the next 20 years. I will still be a DMV. You know, I, I don't call it DMV. That's a new that's what the new people call it. But I will still be someone from the D.C. area. Um, I just I think the issue is that it's interpreted that you you don't want to be African-American. And I guess sometimes it's true. Yeah. Because people don't want to be do make that unconscious. We make that unconscious choice in certain. But I would say for me, it's also that I've been made fun of for being African. So why Mm -hmm. would I want to connect to a community that has made fun and belittled me for my Africanness growing up? Mm -hmm. It's sort of like for any given person. It's not just us Caribbean kids have the same. I have a Haitian friend. We talk about that too. Sometimes it's like. Y'all, it wasn't cool in the mid nine, mid to late nineties to be from certain countries. And there were a lot of really hurtful, mean things said. And I do think that there are a lot of mean, hurtful ideas that like immigrant born black people have about African Americans. But at the end of the day, we can't we shouldn't be essentializing stuff and being like, oh, well, it's because of this. (laughs) Or, you know, it's because you're ashamed of this. It's because you have made me feel you've made me want to, you've addressed me in a way that makes me want to be ashamed in a way that assumes that I should be ashamed of who I am. And I'm yeah. saying, no, I'm not that like it could be that, too. It might be a mix of both. Yeah. Um, I mean, I get it. But for me, I, I do it out of respect. I mean, that's why the show is this. We're not saying we, we're better than African-Americans. We're saying uh, it's actually a different cultural background and viewpoint. Yeah. And so let's highlight that instead of putting us all in the box and then you get to pat yourself on the back because you got your two black kids and they just both happen to be Nigerian, right? 
Um, no, and no shades tonight. You know what I mean? They just both happen to be immigrant born children and you then don't get to care that American born descendants of blacks are here. Cause whatever, we got enough Brown faces in the room. Um, that's what ends up happening at a lot of these elite institutions. You, yeah. when you take a poll to see, you know, how many folks are in there are descendants of, um, direct descendants of slaves. You find out that it's all, always just, you know, out of a group of, let's say my year, we're a group of about 20, 25 people. There are only one, two, three. Yeah. And <laughs> let's also complicate that further by talking about class. A lot of those oh, yes. for class. Yes. They are our yes. kind of people. If you know yes. that book, I did read that book. I was like, whoa, very interesting race and colorism and brown paper bag tests and blah, 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 blah. So that's also a piece that we should be thinking about. Of course, we're yeah. all we're all reaping benefits of certain kinds of programs that aren't necessarily aimed at us. At the same time, I saw a meme that said, be weary of black people who want to be the only black person in the room. And that gave me chills. <laughs> I was like, yes. Because we all know those ones. The crabs in the bell mentality. <laughs> Somebody got to be on the top on Keo. So, you Dealing know, you got to call your... <laughs> I can't imagine. Like, at the end of the day, what I care most, and I'll say that for the larger people of color community is p- being around people who have a genuine commitment yeah. to having our the plethora of voices in our communities heard. I don't like being around the people who want to be the black voice, who want to be the whatever voice because you're in a lot of ways. I mean, is, is it the person also wanting to be the voice or is it also folks there around wanting to make them the voice. Um, I think that, that the, the meme said, the meme said, the wisdom of the meme is be careful, be careful around black people who want to be the only black, they want to be because then they can set the narrative and they can put people who are in traditionally privileged spaces, lull them into a false sense of security. Those are the people who are not going to say, you know what, it's not okay that They're I'm the true. only one here. They're the ones that say, Hey, everything's great. It's cool here. Cool, dude, right? Whereas I'm the one that's more likely to say, so we don't have this. We don't have that. We don't have that. Have you considered that? Maybe this because of that. What about that? We need more people who can ask those questions because I think it's also not to give privileged people a pass, but what you don't know what you don't know. And if you don't have people in those spaces to question you and to push you even if it's out and pointless studies that show water is wet um (laughs) no pointless studies that show water no you know what that 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 i know i know what you mean young study is going to open a lot of people's eyes not mine but there are a lot of people that are going to be like wow women go through a lot in this world that will be that instantaneous wow women go through a lot and then Quiet. Well, but I think that, you know, there will always be people, it's like I said, with ta Coates, it's like there are people who will read his stuff and individual people will be touched by it, right? Yeah. Um, and I do think, I mean, I feel bad that I've bursted people's bubbles because it's usually been well-meaning white people who are like, oh my gosh, it's not just him, anything. There's a lot of different things. I'll be like, yeah, I know about that. But like, I, I, I feel like I... I, it didn't you know, they'll be excited about this new thing or this new book and the ideas in there. And I'm like, but I knew that. This is literally, you know, it's like Americana. Woo! 
Well, we never talked about that, right? Like oh, some, yeah. some of the, I remember going to a presentation, um, not presentation, interview with Chimamanda Adichie. It was the Dubai Book mm-hmm. Festival a few years back. And the British guy was the one that was moderating. This man wanted to spend 25 minutes on the oh, opening the chapter about her getting her hair. And she was like, <laughs> he was like a, a, a lot of people, a lot of people are fascinating about it. Yeah. About it, yeah. Right. And so, I mean, you're a old, old man, white hair, 50, 60 years old, and you're just being introduced to this world of hair braiding. Um, I would like to think that it does help somewhere along the way. Right. Like now he has a better understanding and his individual interactions will help. So I don't know. Reparations is a hard thing. If y'all cutting checks, I wouldn't mind one. I understand if I don't meet the criteria. Send me some. Hmm. But maybe maybe we need <laughs> maybe we need like old time reparations, forty acre and mule reparations, and then we also need reparations for like what people are going through today, yeah. um, which is you know tougher. And the powers that be ain't gonna do that. Haiti had to pay for its independence up until the nineteen forties. They were paying France back. So let's let's really think about these power structures that we have. Haitians had to pay for the lost slave labor that France had when Haitians liberated themselves. I just this world is strange. The world that we live in is a strange one. Uh, but you know what? It's been great talking <laughs> to you, Nans. <laughs> Human beings oh, ain't right. God. We ain't right. God gave us a beautiful. Well, well it's, a, it's a good thing that we're we're coming to realize that we're not right, and hopefully, we change for good. For the good. I've been knowing that. <laughs> But I think all of, you know, the circumstances in which we live now, people are realizing bit by bit that, you know. Oh, they're just catching folks, folks are just they went out protesting. That's it. That's a little bit different. <laughs> they're, 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 they're realizing bit by that that's their, that's their, um, the book that the, they're reading, you know, seeing the, the inequalities in this country, seeing that, you know, as a black woman going into a hospital, sometimes they will not take you seriously, so. The first or second or third time yeah. might take you yeah. seriously if you drop dead right in front of them. Then they'll be like, "Oh, it may be the death of you." My bad. Yeah. So, um, which is yeah, it's it's a tough thing, but um, these conversations will continue happening. We'll keep having them. Uh, we'll keep sheltering in place or quarantining or staying at home, whatever you want to call it. Staying inside. Staying inside and only going outside when it's absolutely necessary. Please stay safe. For those of you in unsafe situations, like there are, and, and maybe we can link uh, to some of those kind of like domestic violence um, crisis oh centers. Oh gosh, yeah. It is not. Don't don't stay with somebody in that kind of situation if you can help it. Um, but be kind to one another. Be understanding. These are very tough times, and I'm sad as a millennial to be saying it again because we done gone through. Girl. We done gone through a lot. Um. Every five years, some hits in my adult in my adult life. It's it's just been oh five to ten five to ten. Our parents and grandparents weren't right. They didn't do. They didn't go. They didn't go through all of this, and that's what that's what pisses me off sometimes when they're like, "Oh, millennials don't have their own houses. They don't have these. They don't have they." When I was this age, I was thinking of pockets. They made decisions that jacked us up. Okay, (laughs) that's why I said they didn't do right. Their generations made decisions that have oh, jacked no. us up. But they're sitting there blaming us for. Yeah. So for our situations. So be kind. Um, 
and don't infect your grandma and grandpa, even though they didn't do right by us. It's, it's, it's okay. We still want them to be as health, as many people to be as healthy and as safe as possible. Yeah. And uh, same to you, Nan. Stay put. And uh, I guess we'll talk later. Take care. Yeah.